This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Diego ready to go with the first pitch on its way. Swing and a line drive left side of the infield. Fielded by Wendell. He made the catch. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. And they're on their way to the American League Championship Series as they knock off the New York Yankees 2-1. to Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Just a swing and a drive, hit well in the air towards right. Mookie Betts going back to the wall. Gone! A first-inning homer for Randy Arozarena, number 10 of the postseason. It's one nothing Rays. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Today we chat with Austin Meadows about his tremendous month of May. Arrestus Distrada of Bally Sports Sun will help me break down Meadows' success. Pitching prospect John Doxakis will discuss a tremendous past month on the mound. Plus, seven years after Don Zimmer passed away, we reminisce with Widow Soot and son Tom. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and we have the pleasure of joining us this week is Austin Meadows, who certainly is having a sensational uh, first third of the season. Austin, thanks very much for being with us. How much fun are you having right now? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it, it's, it's been fun, you know, this past, uh, you know, I think, you know, starting the season off a little bit slow, you know, for myself or, you know, on, with the team as well. I mean, I think we started off just a little bit slow and not kind of you know, what we were kind of expecting out the gate. But once we kind of turned things around and uh, once I feel like once May hit and once we started to kind of loosen up and, you know, have more fun um, ever since then, you know, it's been it's been a blast. On a personal level, obviously, you had a, a terrific month of May and obviously got off to a great start here in the month of June. I had heard that things started for you in the right direction with a late night fishing trip. Is that right? <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Um, so basically uh, our house back home, we're not currently there right now um so we're renting a renting a house in st pete so i have some friends that i'm able to keep my boat um at their house and you know we've been able to uh as of late we've been able to get out late at night or on off days and use the boat and it's been uh (laughs) it's been good therapy so uh i've definitely enjoyed enjoyed having that so did you homer the day after this this first fishing trip and how many times have you gone fishing since You know how base, how us baseball players are superstition. So superstition's key. So every time, uh, every time I do something good on the field, I do whatever I did the night before or whatever it was. But uh, we, we've been fishing a lot, let's to say the least. <laughs> so we've been fishing a lot, and uh, that was that 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 night we went fishing. And the next day I had that homer. So we've been trying to repeat plenty of plenty of nights. Okay, so you're in Texas now. You had a great series in New York. There, there's no fishing in New York. I can't imagine you found a place to fish. <laughs> I did not, no. But wife, wife's on the trip, too, so that, that helps, too. <laughs> All right, so now we know either either one or the other. Either Alexis has to be with you or you got to be fishing. Either one or the other. That's right. Those two are good. What is? Do you have a favorite place in this area to go fishing? And, and what do you love fishing for the most? I know 
you know, you have, this has been a big part of your life growing up in Georgia. Yeah. Um, you know, for us, we, uh, my wife and I bought a house, um, just south, just south of Tampa, basically in Tampa Bay and, you know, fishing over there, you know, specifically going for snook or redfish or inshore. Sometimes I'll go offshore for some grouper, snapper, bring home some, you know, some good fish to eat. Um, but yeah, you know, that's one of the big things we took into consideration was, you know, being on the water, uh, being close to Tampa Bay and being able to get out and fish. So that's been a, that's been a key thing for us here past, uh, past year or so. From a, a mental standpoint, how important is all of that? You, you mentioned the superstition, but I would imagine that, you know, especially during the pandemic, as we work our way out of this and restrictions are relaxed, that having the ability to relax is important. It is. Um, being able to take your mind off of baseball, um, regardless of how long you're out on the boat, just can, just getting out there, getting out in the water, being with, you know, being with nature and, and just, it's just peaceful. Um, you know, as, uh, as you know, you know, baseball can be stressful at times and, uh, you know, being able to kind of unwind and get out on the boat and not, not worry about baseball, just worry about, you know, catching fish. Um, I think it's, you know, really good for me. And, you know, I continue to try to, try to do that as much as I can. Now, was it a few years ago you caught something to the effect of an 80-pound tarpon? Uh, it was actually like uh, 150. Maybe maybe you got that mixed up, about 180 pounds, I would say. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I have not. No, that was during the layoff last summer. Uh, went out with a friend and Anna Maria and was able to, to catch that one. That's probably the biggest fish I've caught in my life. That was pretty pretty cool. I don't know if anytime soon I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll beat that. So that was cool. 180, 180. Do you have any places you want to go fishing that you haven't? Like that, you know, kind of your, uh, whether it's, you know, in, in another part of the world and where are those places? Um, I, I mean, I, I've been to the Keys, but that's something I've want, I would want to explore more down in the Key West, um, getting offshore further out there, uh, you know, being able to catch, you know, your swordfish, marlin, stuff like that would be pretty, pretty cool for me. But I think, you know, going to maybe somewhere in the Caribbean or uh, Mexico, somewhere out there where the, the water's deep and I know there's really, really good fishing. So that's definitely uh, definitely on my bucket list one day. Now, obviously, you've found plenty of good fishing for hits so far this first you know couple months of the season. When, when you're DHing versus playing the outfield, what's your routine like? Because how do you make sure that you're like not focused so much on hitting and relaxed, but also focused on the game? What do you do? Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. You know? I mean, I think, uh, you know, for me, DHing is, you know, I think it's completely different when it comes to, you know, when you're not playing in the field, uh, you're playing in the field and, you know, say your last at bat, something, you know, something good or bad happened, you go in the outfield, you're not really thinking too much, you're thinking about, you know, catching the ball, but, you know, DHing, all you're thinking about is hitting and you have to kind of find ways to stay involved, um, you know, especially, you know, when you when your guys are out there on the field and, and you're in the cage just hitting, I think for me it's just uh, you know cutting up with some of the guys, continuing to to stay involved but stay loose as well. And you know, it's something I've had to kind of learn the past couple of years on how to how to manage it. But you know, it's funny, Motor Chad Matola, he's uh, he had seen me doing some sprints out in the up in the tunnel um, back at home, and he was like, "Man, you gotta you gotta." calm down because I'd come to the plate with my, my heart beating out of my chest and I'm like you know overdoing it so he uh brought one of the bikes from the weight room in the cage and he's like just ride this so that's been that's been something that's good for me to kind of slow my heart rate down but stay loose because I was curious I've I've known guys who are and because DHing is harder than people realize because you know you're you're only hitting as you mentioned I've known guys who do a crossword puzzle between at bats or 
or like or will you know do a sudoku or something just to get their mind off it um <laughs> for you is there do you have a routine down um i would say i would say i will um uh, i do i think i think for me i like to you know go in the cafeteria and eat sometimes or get my mind try to get my mind off of as much as i can regardless if it's if it's good or bad but i do like to come back in the clubhouse and kind of uh you know whether it's talking with the clubbies or training staff or um you know some of the some of the players in the locker room just just to talk and continue to you know continue to stay involved and that's just kind of what i what i do uh, you know i have a big personality so i like to continue to talk to guys and um, kind of get my mind off of the game for a little bit and then lock back in before my next at bat. You do have video this year too. Um, how much of video do you use and what do you use it for? Um, for me, uh, you know, being, a ha- being able to have those iPads in the dugout has been, has been huge. Um, you know, seeing, seeing the pitcher, seeing his tendencies and, and seeing how he pitches, uh, seeing all of his pitches. You know, that's kind of the main thing is, you know, seeing who we're facing, seeing, you know, what his tendencies are, how hard he throws, uh, which side of the plate he uses most and his strengths. So being able to see that and then also seeing my at-bats, you know, the at-bat beforehand, say, you know, something something's off for me, I feel like, or if I, you know, pop one pop one up, being able to go back into the, look into the iPad and kind of see what was off um, and being able to adjust for the next, for the next at-bat has been, has been huge for me. So would you say it's used more for you or more for getting to know the guy you're facing? I would say mostly it's, probably getting to know the guy that I'm facing, you know, obviously if it's something, somebody that we've seen beforehand, then it's, you know, more for me, but for the most part, I would say, you know, we play a lot of different teams and, and, um, being able to see those guys and see their tendencies. I think it's used majorly for that for, for me. We're chatting with Austin Meadows on this week in race baseball and Austin, you guys are back in Texas right now where obviously the world series was a year ago. Is it weird to be back there? What does it mean to be back there as nostalgic, motivating? How would you describe it? a little weird i think you know being able to coming here last year in a completely different uh environment you know not being able to leave and uh i don't think we saw any any other people outside of just you know our team and the dodgers so you know being able to kind of see other people here uh you know with the rules being relaxed and being able to get out and do these things uh you know it's definitely uh a better situation we're in now than we were um you know last last year but you know, obviously that comes with all the memories as well and all the good times that we had bonding together as a team here and um, with other families on the on the team. And, um, you know, obviously the, you know, the Brett Phillips, uh, you know, big game there and, you know, things come back to mind. But we're just excited to, to be back and compete against the Rangers. What makes this group special to you so far and why do you think this can be a team that can get back there and hopefully win the, the two games it didn't a year ago? You know, I think the biggest thing is there's not, there's just no selfishness. You know, everybody's selfless and they want to see, they want to see each other, um, they want to see each other succeed. And, and that's kind of been the biggest thing is we're rooting for one another, one through nine in the lineup or on the pitching side as well. Um, and just the vibe as well. I mean, we just, we're just loose. We're a loose clubhouse. We like to have a lot of fun. And that's something we've been really good at the past month, month or so. And, uh, you know, I know that if we keep that same vibe in the clubhouse, keep cutting up, stay loose you know, then our plan will do the talking on the field and, you know, obviously, you know, getting some pieces back from, you know, uh, the Willie trade and things like that. Just guys that come in, they, they seem to fit, fit right in. And specifically JP, he's been really, really good for us. And, uh, you know, it's been fun to watch. 
Certainly, you know, a trust in one another is a big part of this, too. You mentioned Chad Matola. What's the trust level like now with the, between the two of you now that you've got several years under your belt with them? Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, like you, you said, you know, having more time spent together develops that trust. And, you know, he's been Chad's been really, really, really good. And for me, especially, you know, knowing, you know, knowing my tendencies, you know, knowing when I'm off and knowing how to, you know, kind of get me back on track or, uh, you know, making adjustments to my swing and making sure, you know, that, you know, we're in the cage each and every day working, regardless of things are going good or bad, continuing to be consistent in the cage and our routine. And, you know, he's been, uh, you know, he's been really, really good for me. And, um, you know, hopefully we continue to get to, to work together here. Tell me what, are drills that you use that you think really keep you on track? I'm kind of curious without getting too technical, but what are some of the things that really have, you know, have allowed you to kind of stay in a good mode? You know, I think for me early on in the season, I was um, getting a little too, too much movement in the box for me, you know, on, with my legs and my hands, I was kind of moving a lot. My head was kind of moving too much and I was just missing pitches or fouling pitches off. And, uh, for me, I've been kind of getting back onto the BOSU balls. I know that it's something I did in, in 2019 where, you know, I'm standing on the balls, but, you know, I'm my my legs are calm, but my, my hands are moving and having that rhythm in my hands and something like that and kind of calming my lower half down has really helped me kind of uh, recognize pitches better, um, you know, stay back on balls and just let my hands work. And that's something that's been big for me. And that's something that I've been doing the past past month or so. And it's definitely showed out there, and hopefully, I can continue to keep keep doing it. And you mentioned the importance of relaxing, and you said you like to cut up in the dugout. Who is the biggest cut up in the clubhouse, and and uh, who's maybe someone who's a bit of a sneaky cut up that we wouldn't expect would be? Mm. Um, I would say, you know, KK's awesome. You know, being able to cut up with him all the time um, after games. He's he's always you know the one that gives the speeches and, you know, shouts out to the guys that did good in the game. And, you know, we have our little team team rally going on there. Um, but, you know, Brett Phillips is a funny guy too. Yeah, I would say Willie, you know, he's gone now, but he was definitely a, a, a light in the clubhouse, always positive, always, always cutting up. Uh, we definitely miss him, but, you know, seeing him over there with the Brewers doing good is, is always awesome to see. Well, we're hoping that you continue to do well, too. And obviously, you're having a lot of success right now. Keep it up. Stay relaxed. Stay loose. And uh, hopefully, in a, uh, you come back and catch a couple fish on the off day. <laughs> All right, Neil. I appreciate you having me. That's Austin Meadows. And we'll be back right after this. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in race baseball. Time to take a look at the week on by. And joining me from Valley Sports Sun is Arrestes Destrada. And oh, probably appropriate uh, to chat with you after we just had Austin Meadows on the program. Obviously, he's been going great. What has been especially impressive to you about his past month and change? Well, the biggest thing, Neil, uh, has been kind of him going back to basics. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the hitters have tried to do that. And we saw some, you know, great gains. They're doing the massive streak, uh, but him more than anybody, because I, I really think that he got in a little bit of a funk coming out of spring training with a, a loopy swing and, and kind of maybe trying to do too much, uh, definitely dropping a little bit of the back shoulder and kind of trying to create, a, a, you know, as they say, a little bit of a launch angle greater than I think need be for the hand-eye coordination that he has and really good body control. So what I've seen is that he literally has tried to concentrate, which I commend, uh, bat pretty much right around his shoulder 
as the pitcher presents itself, he kind of takes it off that area and he's close to his ear. And then from there, it's straight from the ear, as I say, from ear to here, which is the barrel going straight to the ball, you know, less, you know, kind of herky-jerky movement. Uh, and then the other thing is that, I, you know, another little axiom that I use for, for, you know, teaching kids, sit to hit. He's kind of seeping down nicely. So basically, it's been a very controlled swing. He seeps down, which keeps his, keeps his weight, you know, more, you know, in the back leg, the inside part of the back leg, a lighter step forward, and then exploding because he does have great hand-eye coordination. Uh, sometimes hitters will, will just get ahead of themselves or try to do too much. So uh, I'm loving that he's doing that. My, I love the home runs, but I also love the, the doubles and the line drives up the middle because that's telling me that, that he's not trying to, you know, drop and drive, you know, with every swing and kind of, you know, taking his, uh, his uh, approach, you know, consistently. Certainly is balanced, and I it almost got a feel that uh, he's found some balance off the field, too. He got on this streak when he started doing some late-night fishing, and as you know, this game is so mental that I'm guessing that's freed his mind a little bit, too. Well, yeah, I mean, anything that you could do, and there's a lot of different, you know, ways of doing it for, you know, to each his own, you know, some, you know, I used to like to read, you know, believe it or not, and uh, especially right before a game, I would try to, you know, read a little bit and, and it would kind of calm me down for the anticipation of the game because I was a very aggressive hitter and very similar to, to, to Austin that I, if I didn't catch myself, I would jump out at the ball. So uh, anything that could kind of, you know, tone you down, zen you, if you will, you know, center you. And, and we're seeing that if it's fishing because he's, he's a Georgia kid and, and he loves his fishing and hunting and. And it's paying dividends. But the bottom line is that, you know, this, as you know, Neil, this is a marathon. And, and you got to find that comfort zone and try to ride that as long as possible when you get off it. B to B, back to basics. And the Rays are missing a guy who's a big part of their basic lineup right now in Jimon Choi, obviously hoping it's going to be a short stint, much shorter than the one he had earlier this year. It's a pretty big guy in that lineup, don't you think? Massively. In fact, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, a couple of days after the streak started, he came into the lineup and and just kind of has been such a nice hitter. Uh, he's hitting better than I, you know, ever remembered. I mean, he's balanced and was nice and hitting the ball the opposite field, lefties, righties, uh, you know, risp. And, and it's that type of guy in the middle of the lineup that is not only making contact, but making really – slugging type contact you know because uh, we have a lot of hit or miss guys and, and he's not one of them so you know it's a bat that i'm hoping that you know it seems that that growing maybe it's a, a referral pain from from the knee i'm not sure you know let's hope that it's not uh something that's long because he is uh a, an integral part of tying that that lineup together i'd say it's him you know joey wendell yandy getting a little hotter again and and, and maybe start, you know starting to lift the ball a little bit more uh, we haven't seen that that much from Yandi in the last couple of weeks. I wanted to touch on that because obviously with G-Man out, Yandi plays more at first base than first third and, and DHing. He's getting on base a lot still. He's walking more than he's striking out. He's getting it on base and putting it in play at a high clip. Why aren't we seeing line drives to the gaps? You don't necessarily need the home run, but at least more doubles now and then. I'm a little perplexed because, you know, that was the, the kind of the catch with him coming over from Cleveland. And then he proved everybody wrong, you know, right out of the gate. Shoot, he had seven or eight or nine home runs, uh, you know, in, in a couple of months. So, you know, we're not looking for that, but we're definitely, 
you know, looking for, for a little bit more concerted effort to drive the ball, not so much to lift the ball, because that's not his swing, but to drive the ball, because he is getting some pitches, really. You know, when you think about it, they're going to pitch around uh, Rosarena. They're going to pitch around Meadows. They're going to pitch around, uh, obviously, Brandon Lau. Uh, not so much him. So here comes some pitches that he can do some damage. And, and I think he concentrates so much on, you know, barrel on the ball, but, you know, down uh, that he's the uh, – the opposite of the uh, the guys that I don't like, which is the you know the the launch angle guys, but uh, he's a he's a, he's on the other level. So hopefully he'll start getting that. And uh, once you get one or two gappers and and you know pop a home run, you know then it becomes uh, hopefully uh, you know something that that he can see that he can do regularly. Certainly would add to the lineup for sure. Uh, you mentioned Brandon Lau. It seems the last week for me, we're starting to see really good at-bats. Not always results. He's had a lot of hard hit outs and maybe a little bit of bad luck. But hopefully that home run on Friday night is something that really gets him going. Well, yes. I, you know, it was interesting because the home run was followed by, you know, a little bit of overswinging on, on Ian Kennedy. And uh, and I think he was just trying to drop and drive again. He was feeling frisky. He is a the epitome of a streak hitter. And when he gets hot, he really gets hot. So I'm hoping it's around the corner. But he's another one, you know, very much like like uh, Austin Meadows. Different hitter, no doubt. But nevertheless, he's got to remind himself that, yes, he, he can really drive the ball up in the air. But, but you know, if you concentrate on gappers, uh, I think uh, the home runs will naturally come because he's so talented with that. Sometimes he, he, could, he could tend to overswing a little bit. Seeing it a little bit at times with, with a Rosarena trying to, you know, hit more home runs. But, uh, they, you know, they've got such quick hands. They got to trust the hands a little more. Yeah, you are. Are you a little surprised at the strikeouts for a Rosarena through the first, third, and change of the season? Not, not, not so much. Uh, what What I'm surprised is his going out of the zone. I, you know, didn't see that uh, when he when he up and you know even before the, the the great October, he was very you know concentrated on on staying in his zone, and if it was a way that he liked it, he would definitely would go away and drive the ball that way because he trusted his hands and he knows how quick he is. Uh, so, you know, get back in the zone and and let your hands do the, the talking, really. As far as the strikeouts, okay, but that's just really coming from going out of your zone and then being in, in negative counts. But if he really kind of concentrates, and of course, he's seeing, you know, the least amount of fastballs, probably top five in all major leagues. You know, he, he has to know that. You know, you got a guy in Garcia – on the flip side with Texas, he's a very similar five-tool potential player, also from Cuba. And he's a he's a newbie. Nobody knows him, so they're going at him. Uh, not the case with, with a Rosarena. So he has to realize that, and that's when you really got to trust your hands and let the ball travel. Oh, good stuff. We appreciate a few minutes. Hopefully this uh, group will close out the road trip today with a, with a solid win and enjoy that day off. You got it, Neil. Let's keep it going. And that's Orestes Destrada of Valley Sports Sun. Time now to take a look at the minor league side. Joining us, the race minor league pitcher of the month for May, and that's John Doxakis, who's currently with Charleston. John, congrats on a great month, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. Tell me, uh, first of all, what it's meant to be competing again, because for so many of you, last year was a real big challenge without minor league games. Yeah, so that was a big thing going into it. We didn't care where we were going to play. We just wanted to get out there and play again. It sucked sitting on the sidelines, I guess, for, I guess, exactly a year. Yeah. 
Well, I guess you can call it a year and a half after having that off season and going to spring training for a week and then it getting shut down for a year. But yeah, it was a, it was a long vacation. That's what I tell everyone. I'm, t- I'm glad my long vacation is over with. <laughs> How did you get yourself better during that last year? Obviously, it was supposed to be your first full year in the race system. You got, got drafted out of Texas A&M in 2019. Man, honestly, it just taught you a lot of discipline because you had nothing to do for a year, but you knew you were going to play baseball again at some point. So you just had to find ways to keep your body ready. And uh, for me, I really focused on nutrition and just getting my body into top shape because I knew this new seat or once we did start playing, it was going to be tough on the body, just not playing for a year. Um, So that was a big focus for me, just uh, being healthy and making sure I'm eating right, hydrating, all that stuff, because I knew it would be very important leading up to this season. Uh, what you do differently? What's uh, different in your diet right now? Did you gain weight, lose weight, add? add- uh, I, I actually, I, I thinned out a little bit. I think I was 222 to, yeah, 222, and now I'm flirting around 207. I just lost a bunch of fat and got leaner, um, and it, 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 I feel way better now. I feel like I can move a lot better and a lot more flexible, just all, just stuff like that. It's I mean, a lot of little things that uh, can cause injuries um, in terms of flexibility and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, I think it benefited me a lot. Um, I, this is the best I've felt in my career. And yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty, that's honestly pretty much it. What did you do from a pitching standpoint? What types of things, because you're learning, I guess, with the Rays last year over Zoom, how did they help you? And how did that help you going into spring training this year? So the the coordinate, the pitching coordinators did a really good job with us. Uh, we had to send in video every week so they could see what we were doing and stuff like that. And um, me and one of the pitching coordinators actually uh, worked on the changeup a lot because it was probably my third or fourth pitch but it needed to be one of my better pitches to be successful. And so we continuously worked on that, worked on grips um, and just kept throwing it and trusting it. And it, I, it worked out. Uh, I've been using it a lot this season, which normally I'm just a fastball slider guy, a lot of stuff that goes into hitters. And now that I have that pitch that goes away, it, you know, it makes pitching a lot easier. Hitters can't just guess on one location. And so uh, I guess, I mean, I think them helping me with that throughout COVID and having a lot of time to do it, just made it that much better. What was your uh, whole setup like back at home um, in, in Texas? And how did you kind of handle all of that, you know, during the pandemic? Yeah, so uh, or obviously Texas was a little more relaxed on COVID restrictions. So, I mean, I had a indoor facility turf field uh, that I would throw at sometimes. And then it had, a, it had an outdoor field connected to it. And then gym-wise, we... Uh, we the workout groups just got smaller instead of working out in like eight to 10, we were coming in at like four at a time at this place in Houston. It was an indoor gym. It never really got shut down. Um, so I was thankful for that. Um, I know there were a lot of people in the organization that had it a lot worse than I did. And uh, we always talked about that too on the zoom calls. So I just felt really fortunate that um, the places I was, or the places I had access to were were still open. Um, I think that was a big help. Um, Cause I know a lot of guys like, uh, some of the California guys, they just threw into a net for a while outside mm-hmm. on their own. Like you couldn't go out and do anything. And so I was just blessed to have that opportunity to still be able to go inside somewhere, be around people and not, you know, be a hundred percent secluded doing my workouts. 
And so you've had obviously a very good first month now in Charleston. What has worked best for you and what has kind of carried over from all of that work you put in? I think the biggest thing was just throwing strikes and setting up to be in good counts. You know, in college, I, I didn't throw as many strikes as I am now. And so that was a big thing for me. And that's one thing the pitching coordinators wanted me to do is be in the zone more. And that's what I'm doing now. And it's, I mean, it's paying off big time. Um, if I can get ahead, a one, one, two, um, I mean, it just sets up for success. If you look at the splits between averages and plus counts and counts you, or counts that you're behind, then like it's huge. It's a huge difference. And so that that's the biggest focus, like strike one, get it in there and then get strike two as quick as you can. And uh, that seems a pretty or that seems to be a pretty good formula for success. The Rays have such a reputation of developing pitchers. What's the competition between the group of you guys been like? Who's maybe your throwing partner and guys that are really good sounding boards for you among the group? It's funny you say that because the Rays have a lot of really good pitchers. Um, that's one thing we noticed at spring training is there's not one dude that doesn't belong here. Um, we talk about that all the time amongst the pitchers. And our, our starting rotation in Charleston is pretty good. As you can see, you know, we've got Seth, Taj, uh, Cole Wilcox, been wrecked, all dudes that could potentially pitch in the big leagues one day. And so it's fun to be around them. We talk a lot, me and Cole Wilcox, we were always talking about what did you see on your start day and stuff like that. And so the day I pitched, like, for example, there was a hitter in the lineup we're facing and he had a big hole up and in that I didn't figure out till my second AB or till the second I bat against him. And I told Cole for the next day and he got him out every time in that location. And then yesterday when Seth pitched, we told him, and he got that guy out or every at bat in that location. So it's just small things like that, that we kind of pass along, like that we pick up as we go. It sounds like you guys already have built good relationships down there and you guys are playing well as a team too. Oh yeah. This team is awesome. Um, a lot of great dudes. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. And then it goes to our coaching staff too. Like, you know, um, our, it's the same coaches I had when I was at Hudson Valley. So we have a really good relationship and they just have a great coaching style. The players pick up on it quickly. And it's, I mean, it's, it's fun to be around. Well, continued success. We appreciate a few minutes. Glad you're off to an awesome start this year. And uh, thanks for being with us on this week in race baseball. I appreciate it, Neil. Thanks. That's John Doxakis playing for the Charleston River Dogs, race minor league pitcher of the month and low East or low a East pitcher of the month. So far he's walked three struck out 38 in just under 27 innings. Coming up, it's been seven years since Don Zimmer passed away, so we remember him with widow Soot Zimmer and son Tom in my first in-person interview since the pandemic. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and uh, we've got special guests today because this is the seventh anniversary, believe it or not, of the passing of one Don Zimmer. I'm with uh, his widow Soot and also son Tom, and it's such a pleasure to have both of you guys on the program once again and to do something in person. Thank you very much. I'm glad you asked me on again. <laughs> I'm glad we could all get, get together live for a chance. <laughs> is, tell me for, for each of you, what is this whole experience been like and can you imagine Don having to deal with a pandemic and what that would have been like for him I'm telling you I I got a call from Jimmy Leland who was a good friend of Don's the other day and we talked about that and you know things in baseball and he said what would he do (laughs) I can't imagine him wearing a mask all the time but that's the way it was and I guess he'd have to adopt to it like everybody else is (laughs) I don't think he'd have gone anywhere you know very very often or anything like that he would have eventually had to watch a movie sooner or later, which he never watched. You know that. 
So I mean, it, it, it would have been it would have been hard. It'd have been different if he still could have played golf and was able physically to play golf because people were doing that all the time through this. So, but it, it would have been hard for him. And he loved his golf games going back way back when to the days when he used to golf with Jackie Robinson, right? That's right. <laughs> He was so thrilled when Jackie called him to do that. That was after Jackie retired, and he had to come down here for a check full of nuts. And he called Don. He said, get us a golf game, and he was just thrilled. And <laughs> Jackie called him for that. Yep, he loved that golf. <laughs> how are each of you doing, and how are all the, the kids, the grandkids, great-grandkids? Are we at that, that point, too? Yes? Oh, they're all doing good. <laughs> They're all in school, and, and they're all playing their sports. I've watched the little ones play softball. The greats play softball. Yes, they're all doing good. Tom, everything's good on your end? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, they say, well, what have you been doing? Well, we, you know, you can't do that much. But, I mean, I've gone from the girls eight and under softball practices and games to, you know, t-ball games, too. So, and, you know, I keep busy uh, picking them up from school and all that kind of stuff. My wife's become a a golfer herself, so she just loves it. So I go to the gym, and she goes and plays golf. So we're, we're doing good. Great to hear. Does it feel like seven years for you guys now? And, and what are the things that come to mind as, as we come up on the anniversary? Well, as you can see, if you look around here in my house, you see him everywhere you look. And these pictures and what he have, they were not put up after he passed away. They've been here. So I see him every day. And, no, it doesn't seem like it's seven years. And, and, of course, I watched the Rays, and baseball was my life, so I can't stop watching baseball. <laughs> and, Tom, I know you're retired, but I'm guessing you're still watching your fair amount, and you think well, of your dad a lot, too? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not watching a lot of ball games. That was one of my things when I finished was I wasn't going to watch that many ball games. I'm starting to watch a little bit more now. And with the Rays and the Giants, the two best records as of today, you know, I'm kind of looking all the time at all the – uh, stuff on 1141, base, you know, MLB, I'm, I'm watching that every night, looking at the highlights. I can almost see every game what's going on if I just watch that. So I tend to watch that now a lot. What did it mean to you in the midst of a pandemic to see the Rays back in the World Series again? I'm kind of curious. I know you follow. Oh, yes, I did. In fact, I even text Stu when, when they won. And it's just a shame that they were in the World Series and the people couldn't attend the games. I mean, that's so exciting. We've been in, you know, quite a few. And to think that they couldn't – well, I maybe guess they had a few there. Mm -hmm. Where was it held? It was at a central location, right? Yeah, it was in Texas, and I think it was 11,000 was the most yeah, and so change. allow a few people in then, right? Yes. But uh, I wish I could have been there. <laughs> Very exciting. But we watched on TV, of course. And I'm guessing you're watching a lot now, too, as they had the best month in the history of the franchise in the month of May and won 22 games. I watch every day, every game. <laughs> what do you think Don would say about this group? Because the things that stand out to me, they play really good defense. They run the bases extremely well. Those are all things that I think he loved about teams. Oh, he'd be proud of them. Yes, he, he would be very proud of them to watch how they play and everything. And I know, Tom, you're not watching anymore on a regular basis, but uh, I'm sure there is some appreciation to see the two teams that your dad was associated with at the end and that you were associated with so many years doing so well. They both do it in different ways, but in a lot of ways they're the same too. Well, I mean, when when the Red Sox hired Heim Bloom, there was a reason that happened. The Red Sox see how the Rays are doing things, and 
doing it by spending less money too. So I mean, that's there. There you are, right there. You got Hein Bloom goes there. The other guy went to 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 the Dodgers. Just got a thirty-five million dollar contract. That'll tell you something. The other teams know that they're doing something right. I mean, we didn't we didn't miss a click during the World Series. Uh, we were even talking live on the phone with Joe Girardi during playoff games, in between innings. It was unbelievable. I mean, you know, they'd call here or whatever, and you know, because they were going to say something about Dad during the game. They wanted to tell us, you know. So I mean, it was you know. It, we haven't missed, you know, we're keeping up with what's going on, you know. That had to be a treat to have Joe call during the during the postseason. What was that like? Tell me how that started. Well, well Joe's a very good friend. You know, he and Don were together with three different teams, <laughs> the uh, Cubs, the Colorado Rockies, and the Yankees. And we've still kept to be friends. In fact, we were going to have dinner together last year, but then the pandemic was on, and so we didn't get together when he was in spring training in Clearwater. But uh, one thing Don told Joe, and, and Joe repeated this to me, he said, when I manage, I do a lot of things by gut feelings. He said, somebody asked me one time, is that by the book? And Don said, the book? I never read any book. <laughs> he did it his way. <laughs> That's why we played that song when we had the memorial service. I did it my way. <laughs> very, very appropriate. What, um, what did you guys miss most during the pandemic? I'm kind of curious. What was the most difficult part of that for you? You guys were telling me a story off air that you guys were actually watching baseball before all of that happened, right, in California? I mean, we, we had to cut a trip short which was a softball tournament for my niece. And, you know, so that was, that was a bummer. But just the fact that I was the only one going to the grocery store for everybody, you know, and that type of thing. And, you know, just not going out to eat because we, the three of us with my wife, we go out to eat all the time. And if Pops would have been here, it had been the four of us going out to eat all the time. I mean, that's just stuff you do when you're retired, I think, <laughs> something like that. So, Stat had to do a lot more cooking at home for a while, you know, and that got boring too. But uh, yeah, you didn't have any any sports to watch. There was nothing on. See, everybody was Netflix this and Netflix that. You know what I mean? It was getting tiring real quick. How about for you, Sid? Well, I did, I did the same thing. I mean, I retired from cooking. <laughs> at ninety, you don't still cook all those big meals, but oh, I I can cook for myself, but. Yes, I miss going out to eat and, you know, everything, our everyday life changed. There's no doubt about it. You were so active before all the pandemic began. Are you hopeful that some of the things that you did with some of these groups to keep Don's legacy alive, you'll be able to continue to do? I know there was, what, the Clearwater for Youth program. Obviously, the Rays have the MVP named after Don. I know they have a, a road in the back of spring training that's still named after him. Are you still? Yeah, a little. There's a little oh, yeah. a street sign. Yeah, it starts from where the stadium starts. It goes all the way down towards the, the, the Cloverleaf Fields by the batting cage. As Don Zimmer way or whatever. Yeah, I took, took pictures. I took pictures with another scout. Me and him standing there with the sign in between us. Years ago, I did that. Are you still hoping to get back to to that? Is we are starting to get back to normal a bit. The fact that I'm doing this in person again is a is a right. sign. Well, now you know I <laughs> I got age on me, but 
But I can still laugh. No, I get in the car and I drive now. And, you know, I go to the bank and CVS and occasionally the grocery store. But Tom is my shopper now. He does all my shopping. He knows what I want. So that just saves me, you know, doing that. But, uh, yes, I would like to get back to normal where, you know, I notice it here. People, when we go down to get our mail, we don't put our masks on anymore because they said it's okay to be outside without the masks and everything. I do hope we do get back to normal. Yes. You told me how diff- how Don might have uh, dealt with this whole uh, deal. The, you know, do you think he would have a great appreciation though for what the Rays are doing right now? Because this was his his last stop. This was his longest stop. Definitely, he would. Yes, he would. He would appreciate the way they're playing and no big fanfare. But I noticed they are. They've got the best record in baseball today <laughs> and that's saying something there's a lot of teams 30 of them tom how much pride did did your dad take when being here over the over the latter part of his life well i mean first namoli you know and then Stu taking over i mean they treated him like it was their father i mean it was unbelievable so what the rays did for him to me was always the fact that probably kept him alive longer because it gave him something to continue to go to the ballpark to, to you know, push for. Because, I mean, he was going to dialysis on his own, driving himself, and then driving to the ballpark. And, I mean, the other people were, were half his age in there, and they were leaving in wheelchairs. And they couldn't believe that he was actually driving himself there, because it's very tiring, evidently, to do that for three or four hours. Mm-hmm. So it was unbelievable that he was doing what he was doing. But, it, see, the baseball kept him active in that, you know, it kept his brain active, too. So it was good for him. You mentioned Jim Leland calling recently. Who else do you still hear from, and, and what are some of those calls like, and what does it mean just to continue to hear and keep those relationships up? Well, should I tell him about my 90th birthday? <laughs> you know, I just turned 90 in December. Congratulations. And my daughter lives up north, born and raised here, and, uh, you know, they didn't want to come down. This is when you weren't traveling. They didn't want to, We didn't have our shots yet, didn't want to give me anything. So she said, Mom will do a Zoom well, the Zoom was she had 14 baseball people on on that Zoom. Unbelievable. And to think that they thought that much of Don, that they would call me. And this is, you know, two days before Christmas. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was very nice. And Who were these people that were on that Zoom? I assume Jim Leland was one of them. Joe Madden, Joe Torrey, Joe Girardi, a lot of Joes. <laughs> Jeter. 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 Uh, what's the what's what's the old right fielder for the Rays that played oh, for the Reds? Paul O'Neill. Paul O'Neill. Martinez. Tino Martinez. Tino Mart- I mean, there were so many people on there that the boxes on the screen looked like little dots almost. <laughs> this was a this was set up by Bo. I don't know how he did this it, at one of the other kids' houses. We went out to eat. We came back. It was timed by you know a certain time, seven thirty or something like to get on. We got on. All these people were on, and we were trying to limit how many, just a minute talking to each one because we had dozens and dozens of people on the screen. And then when Bo would hit that person, the screen would enlarge on that person's figure. 
But, I mean, we had Joe Torrey and his wife and all these people, and they all wanted to keep talking. And they all stayed on because all the ladies all had Jeter and everything on there. They all wanted to see Jeter and all these guys. <laughs> so nobody left the screen. Nobody left the Zoom call. We had somebody all the way from Japan on the call. Yeah. How long was this call? Two hours or more. I tried to thank people the next day, and I, I uh, text Joe Madden. And he texts back. He says, boy, you have some diverse friends because we did have somebody from Japan. <laughs> it, it, was, it was unbelievable. The amount of – this was a Hall of Fame call. These were people that were in the Hall of Fame that were on this. I mean, it was just fabulous. One relative down in uh, Naples said this was the Zoom of 2020 <laughs> because other people in the family said they enjoyed sitting there watching all these baseball people talk <laughs> it was great we, i said when you're 90 you don't need any more stuff this zoom was great <laughs> we had some of the zimmers from from cincinnati on their cousins you know ones that my dad grew up with and and you know and then we had the, all the baseball people and we had writers and sportscasters and every you everything you can think about so nobody wanted to leave the call. We were we were thinking people would drop out. We could keep going to the next one. But the screen was absolutely yeah. completely filled with little squares. You could barely see, make out who everybody was. That's how many people were on this call. It was a great, great 90th birthday party. <laughs> I will say that. I, I can't imagine. What do you think Don would have said about all that? Because I know he... Did he like the attention and didn't like the attention at the same time? I mean, I'm sure he liked to be appreciated. Uh, yes, I'm sure he did. You know, getting back to Jimmy Leland, you do know that last year of Don's life, that Jimmy Leland called him every single morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the kind of friends he had. That's what I said to one of his friends that isn't in baseball. I said, to think that these people would take the time, that's how much they thought of him, to wish me a happy birthday two days before Christmas. <laughs> What do you think he would have thought of the call? Oh, I think he would have thought it was great. Yeah, he would have thought it was great. She gets she gets calls from people that he played with, like the no. Bull, Al Ferrer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I get calls all the time. Yeah. So she gets calls from these people on a weekly basis. Sometimes they call every week on a Friday, and they and she, you know, he has a couple of his friends that he hung out with down here, and they the same way they call on a certain day every day. So. Every time I walk in here, she's on the phone. <laughs> That's right. There's one gentleman that he befriended. Actually, he was a mailman up in Boston and de- delivered the mail when he was a manager at Fenway. And then he later moved down here, and they be, you know, stayed friends. He calls me every week. And we're the same age. So <laughs> we marvel about everything that's happening today and how, how different it is. And we're getting old. <laughs> But obviously still wise and still, you know, uh, enjoying life. And that had to be touching that Bo put that all together. Of course, he works in TV here in the area. Yeah, only, only Bo could have done this because we had we had multiple computers on and we had to separate each other so we weren't talking over each other. And then he also had it on a big screen TV in the living room for the rest of the family to sit there so the picture was bigger. So he had all this set up. I don't know how he does all that. Well, Bo's a whiz. <laughs> of course, he's in television, too. <laughs> he knows how to do all that. 
tell me as we sit here, what, you know, I, I think the important thing is that we continue to do this. And I, and I love doing this is that we keep Don's legacy going because he meant so much to the sport. He meant so much to the race. He meant so much to this organization. What are the things that you want people going forward to know about Don who didn't have the chance to get to know him, but know him through others now? Well, you know, I kept scrapbooks on Don. I've got a scrapbook from every year he was in baseball. So that cabinet over there is full of scrapbooks. Now, when he passed, I've got one in there in memory. That scrapbook is, that's how much that's still being written about him. Now, he wasn't no Ted Williams or Mickey Mantle or anything. He used to joke about not too bad for a 235 hitter when somebody come to this house. But, uh, it just shows the kind of guy he he was and then how well-liked he was at everything. Well, you know, I go to the pool periodically, especially when the weather's warm. And it's a big complex here, and there's a lot of people from all over the country. So just the other day, I mean, a couple came down. It's slightly younger than me. And, you know, they knew who my mom was because they've seen her outside and they're walking their dog and this and that. So the guys, we start talking. I mean... They just love to talk about my dad, and I tell them stories, and they just go, you know, they just say, hours go by because they want to hear the stories. And they always, and so you, you needed to write a book. I said, yeah, I know that. I've heard that before. Well, let's hope that this open book on Don continues for many, many years to come. And a belated happy 90th birthday to you, Soot, and hopefully many more happy years to come for you and the rest of your entire family. Thank you very much, Neil. It was a pleasure to be on. And the same uh, pleasure to, to chat with you guys again, and hopefully we continue to do this every year. Oh, thank you very much. That is Soot and Tom Zimmer, and we so much appreciate the time that they devoted to This Week in Race Baseball for this week. I'll tell you this. If I lived in 90 and have half the energy of Soot, I've had a very good life indeed. Thanks as well to Austin Meadows for joining us on the program, Arrested Estrada of Valley Sports Sun, and Rays Minor League Pitcher of the Month, John Doxakis. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. Next week on the show, we sit down with J.P. Fireisen and much, much more. Special thanks to my producer, Jason Berenger. I'm Neil Solons, getting set for the Rays and Rangers. The pregame show's next on the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front, four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. With first and second, the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss! He struck him out! Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next.